0: What's happening? Welcome back to Point Blank, period. I am Darian, the mouth of the South Gray. And it feels good, y'all. I'm quarantined, as everybody should be. Texas is opening up this week, so I guess it's already opened, actually. And I'm not going outside. I'm all right. You can miss me with all of that. I'm going to stay inside. I'm going to talk my sports. I'm going to grab my mic. And I'm going to commentate. I'm going to come to y'all with podcast. okay? That's what I'm going to do. I'm dropping a video. That's That's what I'm doing. I'm going to let everybody else go outside, but I'm not ready for all of that. But we're fresh off some news, some exciting news. Jameis Winston is a, is a New Orleans Saint. And as hard as that sentence would have been for me to say about three months ago, doesn't feel that odd now. It really doesn't. Because I practiced it for two weeks. I knew it was a real possibility. And I'm actually not opposed to it. But we're, we're, off of that, we're going to get to that later. We're going to talk about the draft. And I spoke about it last week about how the draft, everybody thinks they know everything before it ever happens. This player's going to be good. This player's going to be sorry. This guy didn't go against anybody. Look, Jeremy Chin, he didn't play D1. I mean, he wasn't up there with the Power 5 guys, but he's shown himself to be talented. We're going to get to that later. I'm not going to just dive into it. Speaking of which, Jeremy Chin and the Carolina Panthers, I'm going to be speaking with Dez Yules. Content Associate at ESPN. And third episode, I got me a guest on here. I'm excited to hear what he has to say about the Carolina Draft Hall and how you feel They went all defense. So I'm very interested to see if he is a fan of that movement and everything they got going on over there. But like I was saying with the draft, man, we'll see. People have been through bad drafts. People thought the draft was bad. Honestly, fans typically... If it ain't no Power 5 guy or somebody ain't seen all the time, they might just think the guy's bad, okay? Scouts don't even know everything. So if, if you're feeling bad about the draft right now, just wait and see. I've, I've had to learn that lesson. You just got to wait and see. But ultimately, I'm going to give you my opinions. I know I say wait and see, but it's my job to tell you how I'm feeling about it right now. So right now, I'm going to get into Atlanta. And Atlanta's in a, in a weird situation. Unlike Carolina, they're not rebuilding. You can't rebuild when you have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones on the team. All right? Julio Jones is one of the best receivers in the league. Matt Ryan is a top 10 quarterback. You cannot be in rebuild mode at this moment. I think that they're not going to contend. I really do believe it's going to be a two-person race. But Atlanta's extremely talented. So if they did show up, it wouldn't shock me. Last year, they just could not show up in first halves. And that's what makes me feel like Dan Quinn should have been fired. And this should have been a new coach's first draft and let him get his guys in here. But it didn't happen like that. And I'm not going to live in no fairy la-la land. What I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about what did happen. So let's talk about the guys that Atlanta picked up. A.J. Terrell. (sighs) I'm not a fan of this guy. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of this guy, okay? And I know that a lot of people aren't fans of this guy either, but for one moment. I I think that he can be a good corner. I think he's raw. I think he can be a good corner, though. I just personally would like to see him get his hands on people more at the line. Like, I, I feel like he flips his hips very well. So, he's a talented corner. I just would like a little bit more physicality at the line of scrimmage. He gets more physical as as it goes downfield, which isn't great when you're coming from college to to the NFL. You have to learn to not be as physical with your hands at the top of a route, but he can learn that. Every corner has that a little adjustment period. But I'm not a fan of this guy because I feel like it was a reach. At 16, AJ Terrell felt like a reach. Definitely surprising to me. I th- I really did think they were gonna go with Caleb Onche Song. Like I said last week, I thought that was the move. I thought it should have been the move. With Ken Law and Henderson off the board, I thought that should have been the move. But I... AJ Terrell is probably my fifth or sixth corner. But rankings don't matter anymore. A lot of people write him off because they remember him from one game. And that is the LSU game. And what's funny to me is that the PFF Atlanta Twitter account retweeted a tweet from PFF College... It is said that A.J. Terrell has never let up a, a game with more than 60 yards in coverage. Oh, man. That was, that was put out right before the National Championship game. That was, that, was a, that was a terrible time tweet. But he gave it up to Jamar Chase, a guy who some would say could have been the number one receiver in this draft class. Some think will be the number one receiver in the next draft class. All right? And he had good coverage some of those times. It was just a matter of ball placement by Joe Burrow. Like, he was, he was throwing from – he was defending – Arguably the best receiver in the nation. He won the Belitnikov, And he was getting thrown to by Joe Burrow, the number one overall pick. So it was a lot of hard things to, to defend against if you're A.J. Terrell. Let's get into Marlon Davidson. I just say that not to be too hard on him, okay? But he, he was great. He was great before that. I, I illustrate the PFF tweets to say he was great before that. It's Chase. But let's talk about Marlon Davidson. Marlon Davidson is a guy who I think will pair up well with Grady Jarrett in the middle. I'm not looking too much into his, his his play in college because he was explosive, but he was playing on the edge 90% of the time, okay? Not gonna do that here. I just I've seen his explosiveness, and I think he'll be good. Not really much to say. We didn't see him in that role that he'll play in Atlanta really too much. So let's get into to Michael Walker. Very versatile guy. Very versatile. And I really I really like that. Because versatility is uh, next to availability, versatility is the, ne- the best ability, okay? It, it really is. Michael Walker, he played inside linebacker 60 to 65% of the time. This is him. This is him saying it. 60 to 65% of the time, he played inside linebacker. But if you look at a game versus Toledo, he was pretty much an edge guy the whole game. He was an edge guy. That versatility where you can play inside backer the whole game, but you can also play an edge rusher pretty much the whole game. He's a quick guy. Very quick. Very quick. He relies a lot on his athleticism, which is something that he says he wants to change. He wants to work more on the mental side of the of the of the game of football, which I think may be difficult with this offseason. I don't know how he's gonna be able to do that with the with just the odd offseason, but he wants to he wants to make sure he can work mentally. And I stand up for that. You can't be mad at a man for wanting to increase it. His, His mental game, his mental processing is always going to help you. But ultimately, his athletic abilities is what's going to make him an immediate impact player. That's what's going to make his impact off rip is the man is extremely athletic and you can't take that from him. He flows to the ball very well. So we'll see out of Fresno State. He went to a junior college. We'll we we'll, we'll see how how he transitions into the NFL. Now he transitioned well to Fresno State. Res, excuse me, transitioned well to Fresno State. Let's see if he transitions well to the Falcons. Now, let's move into the Bucks. Coming in, there was three huge objectives for me. I needed them to address the offensive tackle need. I needed them to address the running back need, and I needed them to address the secondary, all of which they have done. They did all of those. So before they picked their their offensive tackle in the first round, they saw Makai Becton go off the board. They saw Jed Williams go off the board. They saw Andrew Thomas go off the board, and they seen all of these guys go off the board, so they knew that San Francisco was hungry for draft capital, and they were going to be accepting calls. They could not afford letting anybody get ahead of them. I put out a tweet saying that teams who trade up just one always confused me. But after thinking about it, it was actually quite clear. You cannot afford to let a fourth offensive tackle get off the board. And people was going to jump Tampa Bay. Like it's not, It was completely plausible that somebody knew that Tampa Bay was going to need an offensive tackle. Everybody knew it. And say, you know what? I'm not going to let you get Tristan Wirfs. But that's who you got. You got Tristan Wirfs. An absolute specimen. A, A complete freak. His combine numbers tell it all. Guy showed extreme explosiveness at the combine. Combine star. Next to Makai Becton, probably the the biggest star offensive line-wise. Overall, it was a big need. You had to do it. That My only problem with him, my only problem with him, is that sometimes he struggles. He struggles to put together the athletic ability with technique. He can be technique deficient. Matter of fact, you look at games like Penn State. And other games, not just one, Penn State. I want to say Michigan as well. I watched a couple films of this guy. He struggles with inside moves. It's mostly because of his splits. And it's things that I've, I've I've read, I've watched, I've heard, like studying all my, or listening to the people who study offensive linemen and taking multiple things in. But I'm not going to bore you with how he drops steps. And I'm not going to bore you with all of that, okay? Because I know you probably ain't come here for that. You didn't come here for me to break down the technique of an offense alignment. What you came here for was for me just to give you the facts. And the facts is I think he can be technique deficient. He gets old, he gets to lean in a little too much. He lets guys go inside of him. But sometimes he's actually mom monster. It's just a matter of what you're going to get. Bruce Arians is going to have to coach up that technique. You cannot keep letting these mental lapses go. All right. Whether it's TE stunts. Whether it's just straight inside moves, he's good with a, he's good with a speed rush because he's he's an athletic freak, but there's some other things he needs to work on. Overall, I don't mean to sound too negative. It had to be done. You needed somebody who's going to protect Brady because he can't move like Jameis. So let's bring it back and let's look at Antoine Winfield Jr. stepped up big in his senior year. I want to be positive now. Okay, I'm going to be positive. I I know that you may be thinking, dang, you just killed Tristan Wirfs. Some people's second round, second overall offensive tackle. I'm not killing a guy. I'm just saying he has a couple flaws, okay? But let's get into Antoine Winfield. I want to be positive. I want to be positive. He stepped up big in his senior year. Biggest Biggest difference between any of his other years and this year was in the turnover department. He caught seven interceptions and returned one of them for a touchdown. Alright, this ball honking ability, if that's added to the Buccaneers defense, they're gonna be scary. The the biggest hole for me in the in the in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was either the offensive line or the, the back half of the defense. I'm not saying nothing too profound. They're the 30th ranked pass defense and had a crazy pass rush. You wouldn't think those things would go together. And that just shows how bad they were in the back end. And I like them getting safeties because they just drafted a bunch of corners just a year ago. Give them some give them some time to grow, and we'll see what they can be. So drafting a safety, Antoine Winfield Jr. was was great. Not the tallest guy, but I think he's the perfect versatility. Because he, he can stop the run. He can cover. So in what I call NFL small ball, which is now nickel defense, it's the NFL's version of small ball. It's where you have a slot corner who is a good enough run defender where you can take a linebacker off but not be missing too much. And he's much better in coverage to where you're getting a boost in coverage. It's the NFL's version of small ball, all right? And Antoine Winfield can be your Draymond in center. I know people don't like Draymond, so do what you want with that comparison, but whatever. Raymond Calais, Keyshawn Vaughn, both extremely, extremely versatile. They can catch the ball, they're extremely explosive. Vaughn says he's one of the most explosive guys on on in his draft, okay? Calais, he, I haven't seen him. That 4-4-2, they ain't, they ain't said nothing to me. I did not watched him play. I haven't watched the man burn, people. Once he gone, he gone. Same for Vaughn. Sound like a perfect safety valve for Tom Brady. I'm loving that. And then I look at Tyler Johnson. Picked at 161. The second Tyler Johnson in the city. The second one. The other one was the Tampa Bay Lightning player, Tyler Johnson. So you got one on the ice and one on the field. First team, all Big Ten, the last two seasons. The loss of Brashad Perryman Perryman has made this so critical because now you need a third receiver. We saw Godwin went down. Evans went down. Brashad Perryman stepped up. I truly believe that now. I mentioned the five wide sets of Tampa Bay before they got this guy. Oh man, this dude gonna go crazy. This dude is going to go crazy. So I'm excited because they have a the tendency to defend, I mean not defend, but the, the, the tendency to create wide receivers to be really good. But after this break, I'm gonna get into Carolina, I'm gonna call up Des. I'm gonna see what's happening. And then I'm gonna get to the Saints as well. <laughs>
1: And welcome back to Point Blank Period. Right now, I have with me Des Yules, Content Associate for ESPN, here to break down the Carolina Panther draft hall. How you doing today, man?
2: I'm good, man. I'm good. Anytime I get to talk about football, it's a good day. You know what I mean?
1: It is. It is. And I'm just glad that I still have stuff to talk about even through this time. Like it's, It almost feels normal that we're quarantined.
2: Yeah. Right, right. I think the draft came, I mean, right when everybody kind of needed it, just to bring some content back into the world, some sports content. And I think it opened up a lot of minds again. Just, to, you know, kind of feel, like you said, feel normal. I, I know I needed it. I watched every every day of the draft. I do not even watch that much.
1: I did. I did. Even when the Saints dra- uh, get, got rid of all their picks in the third day. I still <laughs> Yeah, know. fact. But let's talk about Carolina. So, coming into the draft, what were you looking for the team to address specifically?
2: Uh, defense straight defense I know that's very broad but I feel like that was our biggest issue run defense specifically um, because we had the worst run defense in our 25 year history uh, that we've ever had so obviously defense was very 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 important Um, that was really big and of course secondary we always need DBs being in the NFC South some of the best receivers in the NFL are in the NFC South so if you don't have DBs you don't have nothing Straight up, definitely. Like in my opinion, I always say
1: that cornerback is the second most important position in this division specifically. When you go in yeah. against, li- literally everybody has a receiver, and most of them have a duo. When I look look at Carolina, I think DJ Moore is an up and coming receiver. Obviously, you got Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, and and Mike Evans, all arguably top five receivers, and then they got partners. And Ridley, I think he's a young guy who has promise. And, yes, the division is just phenomenal as far as receivers. So I can't blame you for going broad with the the defense because that's exactly what you guys did. You guys attacked the defense. But let me ask you about the reaction from the fans and then you specifically, when I'm sure it was kind of a surprise to see Derrick Brown drafted ahead of Isaiah Simmons for you guys.
2: Right. So it it was one of the things where – the initial shot, no, he's right there, what the crap? You know like why would we not get this man? You know, but then looking into it, you know once I, once I got my fandom out the way, and really broke down what was the need was like i said we were the we were the worst run defense we've had in our twenty five year career that's tough from the inside, man, that's tough from the inside so so that was huge for us to actually get arguably the best run defender or actually inside defender, probably in the draft, and it's not like we don't have linebackers. We do have young linebackers who are ready. Shaq Thompson, we extended his contract. He's ready to take over for Luke Keekly, spot. I trust that he will. You know, I mean, you can never replace Luke Keekly, but I trust that he can right. do it. Added to here, Whitehead, who's a good one stopper. Um, needs a little help in the, co- in the coverage aspect, but that's what Shaq Thompson's for. We do have Brian Burns, who was held back last year and still had a great year. And so, you know, it, I think that's going to be a big difference uh, maker. So uh, Isaiah Simmons, as great as he is, will be hopefully, you know, it, we needed we needed Derrick Brown more than we wanted Isaiah Simmons. You get what I'm saying? I do.
1: I, I get it. I I still think I would have took Simmons just because of his versatility, but I'm not mad at Brown. I, I enjoy to watch Brown play. He's a different type right. of player. He's he's he eats he eats up doubles like McDonalds. So right. when I look at it, I say Derrick Brown not a bad pick. It's not Isaiah Simmons, but then you follow it up with your tour gross matos in the second round. Right. And now it looks like you have two guys on your on your defensive line who are young and can and can develop into having a ferocious defensive line, which the forty exactly. nine have shown is very beneficial.
2: Right, right. And we haven't had this probably since what, two thousand and two three? You know, Julius Peppers, Chris Jenkins, Mike yeah. Rucker. I mean, years ago. I mean, you could you could argue Charles Johnson and and, and uh Greg Hardy was a really good mix too that year. I want to say 20 2008, I believe it was maybe 24, something like that, but uh really, really good time there. But besides that, like, we haven't had that in years, man. And then when we, you know, when we win on the defensive line, it makes the DBs better. It, you know, and again, you need that when you have two, you know, Drew Brees, future Hall of Famer, and you, you know, Matt Ryan, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer, but he's a good, good quarterback, you know, Super yeah, Bowl yeah. attendee quarterback, Pro Bowl quarterback, you know, and, and, and yeah, no, it's, it's now you got Tom Brady, you know. It's, it's, yeah, no, I really like what they did added to the defensive line. But I tell you what, I'm excited for Jeremy Chen. i got to say that. I'm so excited for safety Jeremy Chen.
1: I, I like Chen because, in my opinion, it's he is he is the, the new type of safety that I don't know. I don't know who made it cool, but you look at guys like – I think it's Honey Badger. I think Honey Badger made it cool to just be a guy who is technically a safety, but slides down into the nickel. Right. Uh, right. With Chin, I think he's a guy who he can be your base safety, but in your nickel package, he can be a guy who is your slot corner without giving up any run support or taking off that linebacker.
2: I think Chin no, is fact. a big- I, I mean, the reason, you know, Honey Badger Tyran was so – crucial coming out the draft from LSU is because people hadn't seen that before. Not to that extent at least. That could play everywhere on the D B on the D B slot. You know what I mean? And that's what you see with Jeremy yeah. Chin here who isn't afraid to play inside. Hits like Brian Dawkins, fast like, yeah. you know, whoever you can think of. I mean that's that's come on, that's huge. That's huge, especially in this in this deck uh time of NFL where you, you know, you got four and two guys who are bigger than you and stronger than you, you need a safety like Jeremy Chin who's not afraid to drop the shoulder, but can also play coverage if it's four or five man drop. But it's just like you're playing the Falcons, who love to put Calvin Ridley right there in the slot because they got four more receivers to open up the game. You know what I mean? That's important. Right.
1: So before I let you get out of here, yeah. you guys you got your wish. And you got all defense in a draft. First time that has ever been done in the history of a seven round draft.
2: Yeah, Matt Rule's trying to take there- him stuff up obviously.
1: <laughs> are there, or not are there, because I think the team is rebuilding, so obviously there is. But what holes do you feel like could still be filled or you guys should make a priority to maybe pick up some late free agent additions?
2: No, we need to go get a DB. We need to go get a corner. We need to go get a corner. Tony Prye, uh, uh, I mean, Troy Pride Jr., excuse me, Um am excited for him. I think he's a good, raw, young corner. He's from North He's from South Carolina, so he's, he's a Panther already. You know, um, I'm really excited for him, but I don't think he's day one ready. You know, if we put him on the field right now and he got to go against, you know, like if we play the Falcons and Julio Jones on one side and 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 you know Calvin Ridley on the other, I think Calvin Ridley really wins that most times right now. He's, he's he's physical but still very raw. So I want to see Carolina go out, sign a veteran uh, a cornerback who can start right now uh, opposite Dante Jackson. Um, yeah.
1: All right, thank you very much. It's been Dante, excuse me, Dez, you got me talking about Dante Jackson. I really like that guy. Uh, but Des He is
0: content associate. I appreciate you for joining.
2: Hey, man, anytime, brother.
0: Thank you. All right, thank you, thank you, thank you, Des. Now let's get on to the New Orleans Saints. Let's get into how I felt about their draft. Oh, man. Everyone in their picks was backdoor disappointment. <laughs> Everyone. Um, I don't hide the fact that I'm a Saints fan. I don't at all. I don't feel like I need to. It was just disappointment at every pick, man. And I'll start at Ruiz. And mind you that these don't mean that I hate the players. I want to get that out the way now. Does not mean that I hate these players. But Cesar Ruiz. Me? And a lot of other Saints fans who were LSU fans wanted to see Patrick Queen be the guy. When Kenneth Murray was picked ahead of us, I said, OK, linebacker is the biggest need on the team. And I still believe that. It was the biggest need coming in. This is the time to pick Patrick Queen, right? This is it. This is the moment. We finally going to pick an LSU player. Let's go. Pick Caesar Ruiz. And at the moment, I'm just like, wow, are you serious? I wanted, I wanted Queen. I mean, not like I thought he was the most ready player, but his upside was crazy. Okay, but then Caesar Ruiz was the pick, and I got to thinking, and I, I, calmed down. My Twitter was was, I don't want to say it was full. Next guy had, had my Twitter full, but Caesar Ruiz, I was like, okay, cool. But what's gonna happen with Warford? That was part of the reason I didn't like it. I said I want somebody who be immediate impact. Well, Peyton came on his press conference and said, "We ain't draft this got to be no backup." All right, that just is what it is. So, all right, that means Warford gone, but he's a center. What does that mean for McCoy? Is McCoy sliding the guard or is Ruiz? We'll see. It's a matter of time. Some people feel like McCoy is better suited for guard. But now let's get into Zach Bond. Let's get into Zach Bond. Honestly, I've thought a lot about Zach Bond coming up, and he's the guy I didn't want. I didn't want him in the first round. I had a fear that Queen and Murray would be gone and we would take Zach Bond in the first round. I did not want that. I did not want Zach Bond. And let me tell you why. Yes, linebacker is the the biggest need. I've said that. But I don't think that he fit the type of linebacker that we should have gotten. Okay. When we traded up, I knew he was the guy. I knew it was happening. He was a first-round talent, dropped to the third round. The Saints could not could not escape themselves. They had to trade up. So I wasn't surprised when it was him. But to me, he is an edge rusher who occasionally drops. If I wanted somebody like that, I could have picked Caleb on Song. But then I would have been like, why? If we would have picked Caleb on Song, people would have been like, why? They're not exactly the same. But I hope that you're understanding the parallel, I, which I'm making. K. LeVon is a rush guy who drops sometimes. He does drop. I've seen him drop a lot, you know. But in my opinion, Zach Bond's skill set is best utilized in a 3-4 defense because he's an outside linebacker. He says he models his game after D. Ford, T.J. Watt. T.J. Watt is a 3-4 outside linebacker. D. Ford was a 3-4 outside linebacker, and now he's a 4-3 end. He is a rush guy. T.J. Watt is a rush guy. Ultimately, he can turn out to be a good player. I actually think he is a good player. I just think he'd be utilized best in a 3-4. I know it sounds super negative, but I wanted somebody who I have seen play off-ball, not somebody who I have to sit here and guess to see if they've done it. He said he did that in practice, but I wanted to see you do it in a game. And that was my biggest problem, is that I hadn't seen tape of this guy doing the exact thing that I felt like we needed. I would have liked if we wanted somebody like Malik Harrison. At least I've seen him do it. I'm not saying he's incapable, but I can only go by what I've seen on film. Obviously, Peyton believes he can do it, but I don't know. Maybe if we needed some help at defensive end. But everybody says he's a rush guy. He says he wants to be a rush guy. So who knows? Adam Troutman. Adam Troutman, I like the pick. There's nothing wrong with this player. He's, he, he's a, some people's number one tight end, some people's number two. I have no problem with the pick. I think Jared Cook is getting a little older. Hopefully we, he makes it to a next contract with us. I like his game. But you gave away all those picks? Gave away your whole day three for Adam Troutman. To the Vikings. To the Vikings? Look, I already don't like the Vikings. We got history. But you gave away all your picks in day three to an NFC contender so they can go in here and draft really well, which they did, and have more ammunition to use against you? That's just a very bold move. Now, no disrespect, but disrespect, I wouldn't have understood if we gave the, all them draft picks to the Redskins, okay? But the Vikings, wow, we gave all those picks up to the Vikings, and that was my disappointment on this. He better be good. He better be good. You gave up your whole day three for the guy. But, did you really? Because you had to know the Saints were going to trade in. And Tommy Stevens, I'm not really going to say nothing about you, man. Like, we traded up. We got you. All right. They say you might be the next Taysom. Who knows? You a seventh-round flyer. The only disappointment would be the fact that I thought we might be trading back up for a receiver. Or a cornerback. Who knows? But you Tommy Stevens. You're a seventh-round pick. Even if it was one of those positions, it's not a guarantee he was gonna make it. So I'm not really sweating that. But Ruiz, I like the pick. Bond, I'm still not completely sure. And Troutman, I like the pick. I just don't like the compensation to the guy that gave the compensation to. Wow, Mike Zimmer, workshop glasses. <laughs> Understandable. I don't. I, I, just, I just, don't make no sense to me. But now, let's get into Jameis before we close up this show. And let me get something very clear. So please, if you're in any distractions, pause. Get to a quiet area. Cause I don't want this to ever be misconstrued. I'm on radio. I'm on, I'm on recording right now saying it. So listen to me. I do not hate Jameis Winston. And I know I made a video and the title was literally I hate Jameis Winston. But it's like, it's like when you hate your friend. Like, I hate you. I don't really hate you. For me, it's a disappointment factor because I see a lot of talent in Jameis. I see a lot of talent. I just wish that he would put it together more often. I hate his inconsistency. I'm not even going to waste too much time on it. He's a saint, okay? I didn't think I would say this two weeks ago. Not two weeks ago, two months ago. Two weeks ago, it looked like a real possibility. Matter of fact, I kind of felt it was going to happen. So I'm not shocked. But for me... I went through a lot of things. I've said a lot about Jameis Winston. So for him to come to the Saints, it's just (laughs) wow. But I like the move. Great backup quarterback. And in a perfect situation, Jameis Winston will become the starting quarterback for the Saints. Because in a perfect situation, he can cut down on those turnovers and those dumb mistakes. Breeze used to have critical mistakes. I used to be pissed at Breeze with his mistakes. And he learned how to get them out. Let's see if he can learn or teach Jameis, rather, how to get them out of him. If Jameis Winston cuts down the turnovers, he has the talent to be a top 10 quarterback, okay? And even if he doesn't, I've said it multiple times. I compared him to, to Brett Favre. I compared him to Brett Favre, and people think I hate the guy. I don't hate Jameis Winston. But if he can win despite his gunslinger ways, look, Jameis Winston is extremely talented. And as much as I love Taysom as a dual threat quarterback, I do not think that in the next year he will be as talented as Jameis. So in a perfect world, I take Jameis Winston as my starting quarterback. Even with all the things we've said about Taysom, I just think that Jameis Winston is so talented that if you can get his head on right, maybe his eyes was jacked up. He got LASIK now. I'll be making jokes about that, but hopefully it works now. he, he, he on my team. It works and Jameis is your starter in a couple years who knows might even give me a Jameis jersey if you go back to five but that's what it is alright don't shoot the messenger remember that do not shoot the messenger because I ain't make none of these moves I will be talking about I'm just talking about them alright point blank period I'll catch y'all next week